It's already switched on. Is it? Yes. The theme for the uh, afternoon talk is pleasure, sex, and happiness. Can't hear. But it's close as it'll without eating it. <laughs> Hello, can you hear now? Thumbs are up. <laughs> so, the uh, theme. Oh, still here? The uh, theme for the afternoon talk, you have to turn up a little bit more. I just did. Oh, you did, okay. <laughs> All right. So the theme for the afternoon talk is uh, pleasure, sex and happiness. Concentration of the talk will be uh, on the happiness, which might be a bit disappointing, but anyway. <laughs> so we'll take the first two areas uh, and then the, the third. So I'm reminded of a statement of the, the Buddha here. He was asked, what will destroy this world? This is 2,600 years ago when he lived. And his response was it, the desire and the pursuit of pleasure for oneself. What's the response? And when we look at our human condition, we take notice of the movements of our inner life. <coughs> Not unusual, it's extraordinarily common, it is an epidemic in which there is the formation of the desire there is the self which goes with it and the self says, I want. And this conditioning, because our attention so often has been bought, this conditioning is so strong with us that the movement of the desire, that is wanting which is problematic, can go through to any of the five senses that means to our eyes what I want to see and, and get, what I want to hear and have, what I want to smell and keep, what I want to taste and that which I want to touch. She, he, this or that in the fields of comfort. But also the very wanting itself with the pressure and the desire that goes with it can also turn its attention to the past, turn its attention to uh, the future, and we begin to recognize the impact and the influence that wanting has on the, not only on our life, but on the lives of others, and also on our environment, our diminishing uh, resources. So this movement of the force of uh, desire essentially or primarily goes in these directions of through the senses to the past to the future and of course to the mind itself 
I want my mind or my heart to be like this and all the pressure and the wanting why am I like this I want to be like that so between the five senses past, future and the condition of the mind these are where the pleasures the pursuit of pleasure the pursuit of what I want uh, takes the priority and it's a task it's an adventure and an exploration for women and men on the earth young and old to look into this wanting and we might ask ourselves and it's an important question when I really want, want, want something I might say to myself and to others I really got what I want through my senses, through pleasure, through sex, through whatever I really got what I want and it made me so happy I was really happy to got to get what I want I'm not sure I'm not sure if this actually is happiness it, could it be that it's a relief understand the word relief it is a relief from the wanting I wanted it, something so much and I got it and that has then put an end to the wanting for the time being any of you have smoked any of you have had an, uh, an addiction to drugs to alcohol uh, some other substance or whatever will know there is a wanting and one wants to get craving, needing, pursuing wanting so much and once, one, once one's got the relief from the wanting one feels better temporarily and could it be that a lot of wanting, desire, craving which is consuming the world's resources and actually consuming our life corresponding could we explore ourselves here just enough to see whether this wanting is actually it's the relief from it that we're really after and therefore an opportunity to be in another way my Time to time, I mentioned my uh, precious daughter, Nashona. She told me something a little interesting. So, she's a woman in her... God, how old is she? Born in 1981, so she's 38. Striking and beautiful. Men wander around her like bees around the flower, some of them. Anyway... <laughs> and so she met a guy surprise surprise and the guy took her out for an evening meal and she found out as she threw in the meal mostly that he was rich rather rich dealing in um, currencies and importing blah 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 there. so they went to a restaurant to have their meal and at the end of the meal, the waiter came and gave the, the bill to him. And what surprised her with the meal, that there was the menu there, quite a large menu, and there, that there was no price on the menu. And she said to him, but the, you know, had a nice meal, but there's no price. She said, oh, he said, he said, it's not one of those restaurants where you have a price beside the meal. 
So she was kind of na- na- naturally curious, and she said to him, "I want to see the bill." He said, "No, no, no, it's just money. Don't, don't you, I really want to." See. It was the first date. I really want to see the bill. He said, "Well, if you insist," and he handed it over. It was for two hundred and fifty pound, which is around one thousand two hundred and fifty shekels for a meal. And he said, "Oh, there's another level above this kind of restaurant." I mean, I don't live in this world, you know. I just like my, you know, coffee and a latte and a croissant if I can afford it. Anyway, <laughs> and she, and he said, no, no. He said, in the better restaurants, there is no menu. The chef walks over to your table and said, "Madam, sir, what would you like to eat tonight?" I have a school in India. We have six hundred children in our in our uh, in our school. That kind of uh, uh, money would pay for for that meal would pay for the education for a full year of four of our children. A full year's education in Budgaya in India for. The cost of a meal for two people. This is the madness of the world that we are living in. So we want to really explore this relationship to wanting dependency on results about air, anything whatsoever. And sometimes, in all of that, we need to have the quiet inner authority with ourselves just to check in, because. So much of the wanting is so often is there is a gap inside of myself. Whatever I don't have enough money. Surprise, surprise comes to mind with many people. I don't have enough, and what's noticeable, even for those who we look at, who we think have enough, feel they don't have enough because they've only got a million shekels or five million shekels. And they don't have enough because somebody's got ten million, and this insidious, unhappy relationship to life, born of so much comparing, in which human beings, in the thirst for pleasure, we keep comparing what we have with what others have. How can there be happiness in that? It's just as I point out a temporary relief from the pleasure, from the from the wanting. Therefore, it's to find and dig a little、uh, deeper. One of the primary forms of wanting, have to watch this for、uh, that, and it doesn't make too much difference with regards to this. It's in the area of relationship. If I had a shackle for every conversation I've had in relationships on retreat, <laughs> so in the area of relationship, the wanting sparks something, and there is the possibility or the hope or the wish or whatever towards the other. And one, actually, here in Israel, a few years ago, my、uh, beloved、uh, women friends. She said to me, "Christopher, 
inside of me I have this idea she's very some of people here will know her so I'm not going to mention names here but she's very intelligent and bright and beautiful and enchanting and she said the man inside of me that I want to meet she said I can't find and I said honestly that man you have inside of you who's the man you want to meet honestly he doesn't exist so in other words there can be the image and the picture of who one wants to meet this is in relationship and we can spend a lot of time and some people a lot of money on the online world of looking for that image inside and the external to fit the image <gasps> good luck oh risky business trying to fuse the world of the image and the actuality <coughs> together and one of my beloved exes ex, you know, ex past from uh, Sweden she won't mind me mentioning because she knows it uh, Nina uh, she after the uh, relationship uh, ended then we made the transition which is very sweet to really good friendship this is decades or so ago she said to me Christopher I'm looking around and I realize there are four, four there are four kinds of men in this world so actually I'm a man I'm kidding about these four kinds <laughs> so one kind of man in, in the world he just wants to get married and have a couple of kids and settle down and live and just be a married man with a wife, a couple of kids and life goes by and that's all he wants from life he said, this kind of man doesn't interest me then she said, there's a second kind of man he knows what he wants and he's really going for it making money and he's got or getting the big house and with the double garage and he wants 2.2 children and he wants a beautiful woman to complete the whole picture story and she said I'm just not interested in these guys who just think about getting rich just not, I'm not interested in that like one, of, one person one woman said to me she said I, the man I want to marry is the man who turns left when he gets on an aeroplane like most of us here probably in the economy class we turn right she said I want to marry a man who turns left you know, everybody has their own cup of tea and these things etc she said the third kind of man this is a warning to the men in the hall here the third kind of man is the man who's unlike the second kind the money maker he's in touch with his feelings he goes on Tovena meditation retreats <laughs> or some other retreat there he shares his heart uh, with you he's 
kind and he's thoughtful and he meditates every morning and evening and he eats salad and hummus every day and etc <laughs> but she said I want a man what happened to the man nice and sweet and kind but where's the man so then she said then there's the fourth kind of man hopefully it didn't fit in the category here and the fourth kind of man yes he's working on himself he's looking at his heart he's learning to articulate what he feels he's sharing, he's open and he's got vision and he's got action and he's dedicated he's, com he's committed uh, to this world and then she said at the end the problem is Christopher all these men, the women have taken <laughs> they've all gone <laughs> I, I, I hope it's not true but anyway who am I to, to say so sometimes to come to the point here how easily life and days and weeks and months can go by and we have a preoccupation with a particular object and this call, might be called relationship it could be called money or, or whatever it is. And the human being exploring himself and uh, her, herself. How much is the value of worth as a human being actually dependent on the other? That's the question. How much is one's humanity and one's sense of being to know that and experience that well and deeply so that, yes, one, we can be in a relationship. Yes, we can love our solitude and our aloneness. And that movement between the two. And I hear, but I've, here, on this retreat, on the last retreat, on the retreats in other <coughs> countries, lots of important questioning and conversations around relationship and specifically around sexu uh, uh, sexuality. A general view is two things. One is, on the level with religion, apart from, I must say, some strands in the Hindu tradition, religion has not been comfortable in sharing and talking and exploring and encouraging sexuality in the romantic life. It's tended to keep a distance from it, uh, there, which is unfortunate. I must say to its great credit, Hindu tradition has a tradition of exploring the erotic. It has, not in all sections obviously, it has a tradition of the importance of the romantic element in the human being. No more clear and obvious than the, the stories, the teachings, the plays and the poems and the great insights, Ram and Sita, they're in a relationship. That's the story. Shiva and Pavati, they're a pair, they're a couple, they're a partner, they're in a, a relationship. Krishna and Rama, and it is said of Krishna and Rama that Krishna, the playful uh, guy, profound and insight with many friends, many women friends uh, around him, and in the old text it says of uh, Krishna, his eye opened and and uh, Radha was there with her husband and 
there was a connection of the eyes of Krishna with the eyes of Radha a romantic sensual <coughs> connection and it is said in the text that out of this extraordinary momentary connection uh, with the eyes a whole tradition of spirituality and religion arose you won't find that in the orthodox very easily not very easily and this exploration in which sometimes it is said particularly with this uh, tradition and with others somehow we have if we go really deep we will um, transcend sex we'll go beyond it we'll uh, leave it behind it's a misunderstanding misunderstanding of the human uh, experience and it's quite often said in the tradition uh, in a whole variety of ways and one of the teachers I'll get to the happiness, don't go away one of the teachers commented in California uh, once, he said to myself he said Buddha teaches the end of desire in all its phases and so forth he said you cannot make love without desire and my response to that was you cannot make love with desire you can have sex with desire you can manipulate the other with desire you can put pressure on the partner uh, with desire but making love is of a different order of energy altogether from wanting and expecting it's a different order of feeling and communication with the action that goes with it and it's part of our responsibility and duty in a way here to really to get to know the difference for those who are in relationship right now between the wanting and that warmth, energy, romantic connection and communication in which there is no demand same way with regard to um, being on the retreats uh, 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 here there is so much eros goes on in the air in a whole variety uh, there has to be women and men together with uh, interests and sexual energies towards the same gender towards the other gender and just on that for a moment Dharma is not at all interested nor concerned with sexual preferences not, 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 not in these teachings it might be in religious teachings but not in these uh, teaching no interest in that at all the, there's only one primary interest in, is what where is the suffering what contributes to the suffering that is the concern not, not the preferences and sometimes in the relationship to that here, here on the retreat it so regularly happens regularly means daily regularly means every retreat I've been on in the last 45 years uh, etc uh, et that how easy a curiosity or an interest arises in the other whoever she or he may, may be and sometimes a curiosity an interest may be in four or five others you know and, uh, kind of respect for diversity I suppose uh, there 
But one may not realize, in the interesting, curious thought which is arising about her or him, or more than uh, more than one, one easily forgets. This is the self forgets that others may have exactly the same interest in exactly the same person. And sometimes people will come on the one to one and say, "No, Chris, I've got this incredibly romantic, erotic." sensual thing going on about somebody else on the retreat I can't get her or him out of my mind etc so then I not always I will ask (laughs) who I'm curious who this woman or this man is interested in which one of them out there is stimulating such energy I want want to know and the person says Oh, Christopher, no, it doesn't matter. They always say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And then comes the, the, the body blow from me. And I say, oh, you're not willing to be open, are you? <laughs> that means a horrible thing to say, but I do say it. <laughs> and sometimes. And occasionally, there's been several, the, you know, it's the, 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 the bees around the flower. And so the two pairs of shoes are together, it's cosmic. And coming into the hall. And the same line for the food, it's another divine providence. That one is next to the other, whatever. And sometimes there's a force of gravity, magnetism of the sensuality towards that particular person to sit opposite them or close to them. So if you look in the dam, di- dining hall, where there's more Dharma interest than going on in here, that sometimes you, can, you might see eight or ten people in a circle, all close. There's space everywhere. <laughs> but one of them is the focus of interest. <laughs> These things go on in, on there. So we connect to ourselves, we explore, we see what the, what the communication is. We, we feel the life and we say... As a human being, there are many ways to be romantic. The presence of the romantic does not require the presence of the other. There are many ways to live a genuinely deep, sensual, romantic life, which does not require nor depend upon the other. Sensual through the senses, the happinesses that it can bring. Sometimes the way of life there. Always occurred to me regularly, if I may say, when I was uh, on the road and uh, hitchhiking across from uh, Britain to uh, uh, the Far East and further and so forth, uh, there, what a free way of life it was, and how romantic, and uh, just to just be be on the road and uh, receive the extraordinary hospitality of. Uh, uh, Arab brothers and sisters, the Muslim community in the various countries, and that is still incredibly strong. And it was at my intention at that time to come to Israel uh, there, but this was in June 1967. Didn't seem quite the best month to come, <laughs> so I bypassed and and, and uh, continued on. And only a two or three, no, last year in India, there was a guy from Holland on his bike in the middle of uh, India near Budgaya 
And I said, and I said to him, gosh, go to bike, where did you cycle from? And uh, he said, from Amsterdam. I said, all the way? He said, yes. Through Europe, through Turkey, through Iran. He said, I didn't want to go through Afghanistan. Not surprising. <coughs> cycle right down to the steep south of Iran, crossed over into Pakistan, and from Pakistan kept cycling, cycled all the way to, uh, uh, into India. I said, but you're Dutch, you're from Holland. Your country is in NATO. Your country has been involved in the bombing, been involved in the, in the, in the war on the um, Arab nations. I said, how were you received? And he said, in Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, and, and into India with his Muslim communities, he said, I don't remember paying for a meal or paying for a night in a hostel. Hospitality is still there, still present. People know the difference between governments and armies. And so sometimes in these ways of life, of moving into the unknowns and much, much more, much of that, there's a certain romance about it. The poets and the playwrights and the authors and, and the dancers uh, and the arts they communicate something of the humans the best the human spirit and we have to keep that uh, keep that alive because and or, and that sensuality because either religion has been the problem but to me even a bigger problem is sexuality is secular society that really to me is really the big problem i have a real doubt about so called sexual freedom there when the biggest industry on the net is pornography when there's so much unhappiness in relationships and sometimes boredom in the field of, uh, of in relationships of sexuality and some spark and life and I hear both here in Israel and here from other countries as well where there's a lot of conversations going on about open relationships about doing, uh, engaging in different kind of sexual uh, weekends and trainings and practices, tantric and, and, and much, much, much more. Remember, not my concern about monogamy or otherwise. That's not my interest. My interest is, is there any suffering? And when one person on a, uh, on a retreat, very recent retreat, said to me, my wife and I have been in married for a decade or two uh, there and the out and the currently said our, our sex life has really gone quiet just it's just long. and we've been discussing this and we've come to some understanding and agreement that after all these uh, years we're going to open up our marriage there and we're going to be open to um, having or finding new partners and he asked me what my view I said you're adults you, ma you make your decisions but I said what I can tell you is this it's very high risk very, and high risk may be though you may come to a nice mental satisfactory agreement it seems absolutely fine for both of you you make your decisions uh, with this but 
it can happen, and I've heard it many times, that though the agreement's been made, an outcome of sexual freedom is such that one partner or the other says, I can't handle it. And I said to the guy, because it was a guy who was speaking to me, I appreciate the agreement, I appreciate the fact that the two of you are talking together about this, but I said it's high risk. I said, are you prepared, if you take the step, are you prepared to lose your wife, that you don't have to lose her, you don't even have her, are you prepared that she walks out on you? She said, I can't handle it, and she leaves. And he says, I couldn't cope with it. I don't want to lose her. Then you have to have a... If that's the case, you put your hand on your heart, you do not want to lose the, your partner, uh, then it's going to re require some deep thinking and exploration. What is it that's going to revitalise? Because boredom, loss of interest, disconnect, loss of making love, and much, much uh, more, that needs some exploration. And some do take the risk do explore in a fresh way and for some it works out okay the open relationship but I have to say in listening to hundreds of people it's a small percent it's a risk it's a risk happiness <laughs> slowly, slowly. <laughs> so we, we, we look at desire and wanting and, and how easily the pleasure feels the consequences personally, socially and globally we look at relationships there we appreciate the romance of life and the, the beauties and the wonders uh, and, 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 and the beauty the beauty of the woman the beauty of the man the beauty of the uh, Friendship, the beauty of the feelings without the demand and expectations. We look at relationships and sensuality and sexuality and acknowledge uh, that. And sometimes with all those wonderful energies there, we don't need to be in, in a relationship. Life is, has enough energy and vitality uh, uh, as well there. And the romance of life can express itself. And really looking carefully and deeply as women and men on the earth there. I mean, I might have told this some years ago. When I was a monk, rather sweet, yeah, <clears throat> around six or seven of us monks, young guys, all ordained, sitting on a circle in the, uh, in the monastery there with one of the old monks. So we were now, we were young guys, we are doing our practice, we were in our mid-twenties. And the monk we were talking to, uh, the translator beside me, was 93 years of age. He, he looked like an army general. You know, shaved head, tough, straight back, firm. So we said to him, long paw, that means elder brother. Elder brother, long paw. You're old. Really old. 93, really old. No point in thinking about the future, because you probably haven't got one. There's a certain straightforwardness in monasteries, there's no, no politeness, etc. 
and uh, there's no point in talking about the past because it's gone, it's all over 93, it's all finished when your mind wanders what does it wander to? he said sex (laughs) (laughs) and we young guys in our mid-twenties and there was a, a spontaneous moment, those of you who know the Buddhist tradition, we all said sadhu, which means well said. We all put our hands together. 93 year old. Sadhu, sadhu. So I thought just before coming in here, if by chance, when I, if I get there, to the age of 93 and I'm here in Eindor and I'm sitting on the lawn on the chairs because that's what we do there and then one of you says to me Christopher you're really old you could go any time what's the point of thinking about the future the past is gone what do you what do you think what do you think about when your mind wanders and if I say sex I'm going to be just one happy bunny <laughs> it shows that the energy is still alive and well and it hasn't faded away despite the aging process <laughs> life has a vitality uh, to it so sometimes in life in our relationship to, to life it's extraordinary how the experience of happiness can emerge in a whole variety of different ways. Out of the the small things of life, happiness can come. And this happiness is healthy, it brings harmony and joy, it brings body, heart and mind together. And sometimes, even with talking with you uh, this time, (coughs) happiness comes through one of the most appreciative forms, is the form of laughter. Uh, and when we laugh there is a happiness and the happiness moves itself through the body and even if we've been really bored with the afternoon talk and our mind has been wandering and then a few people laugh about something which is said my god my mind was wondering I must have missed the joke and sometimes the energy just flows easily and freely the longest period of happiness that of laughter that ever took place on a retreat started with one guy at 2.30 in the afternoon and he laughed non-stop till 9.30 in the evening <laughs> he missed the meal he missed the evening talk missed the inquiry he missed it all he just kept laughing and each time I went over and said to him everything fine? ok? and then he went on again <laughs> and I, and there's no knowing in the human being how much laughter there is in this it's an extraordinary phenomenon it just can roll and it's felt through the sensations in the body and here uh, as with the lovely instructions from Carl this this morning there we can from past and present and future we can feel sometimes sometimes the happiness of the being and it's not 
and I appreciate some of you may have this concern. We're, the last thing that we are interested in here is the feel-good factor. Whoa! Step on my toes if a person thinks meditation is about that. It's just that in the, when, when we're calming the being down there, there is more receptivity. And with the more receptivity, there's more receptivity to the sweetnesses that's stronger in the happiness form and in the joy form. And the reason for this is not the feel-good factor. It is not in any way whatsoever making it an end in itself. That's not what the teachings are about. It's a liberation teaching. And what we can notice here, in the going to the deep, which is where the jewels are, in the going to the deep, as the Buddha commented, from experiencing the body to that first section to calming the body it is a freedom from just experiencing the body from the happiness the lovely memories the, 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 uh, the uh, exchanges the good humour and much much more as that gets more subtle it comes into a joy that joy is a freedom from the happiness it's gone deeper that joy going deeper into things brings a depth which is in that time going deeper so it's a freedom from and there are many which we'll touch upon as the days go by different depths of this freedom showing itself and therefore we can't say oh getting to a happiness that's kind of the end or getting to a joy that's the, that's the end these are just valuable steps in a deep discovery and the reason for it is not even the deep experience the feeling deep experience there but there is a receptivity in the clarity to something from the deep which is the kind of insights which come if you are of a religious uh, language person the voice of God that the being in the calm and the receptivity, happiness, joy, deep inner peace, is actually receptive to something which is deeper than that. And that can move into our life, move into consciousness, and sometimes it really wakes up the life. And it only takes one or two words, and the whole life can be transformed. That's what we're interested in. There's, a, there's the potential for a, a waking up. There is a, metaphorically, a pathway. We are on the third day of this uh, retreat together. It's a pathway towards the deep. And we are also recognizing and acknowledging that when, with the happinesses and the joys there, that also it can be without reflection. So sometimes, as was mentioned to you, we, we might reflect on a situation, you know, a contact, a beautiful communication. You know, sometimes you and I meet someone we haven't seen for, for years and years. We're really happy to uh, see this person. You know, 
one of the old monk friends who I hadn't seen for uh, well over 20, maybe <coughs> 25 years and kind of connected and bumped into each other. And the first thing, monks are monks, he turned to a friend and he said, Gosh, I haven't seen Christopher. That's been 20 or 25 years. My God, he's proof of the ageing process. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Sardou. <laughs> Whatever. So sometimes we have a meet, meeting, but in the unexpected meeting, uh, as a friend of mine said, just on that moving human zoo, which is called the London Underground, uh, there, people lost in their mobile phones, they're reading the evening newspapers, and suddenly spotted his first lover. And she spotted him in the sea of faces in this crowded uh, evening rush hour there. And they looked across to each other. And he said, what was extraordinary, 15, 20 years had gone by, he's in his early 30s, hadn't seen her since she was 15 or 16 there. He said, the sensation of happiness out of his body, he couldn't believe it. You know, tired and bored, and etc. Boom! In one moment, the spark. Something is energized, and happiness. Uh, 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 and, and she for him. But he said to me, "I said, oh, lovely." He said, "Yes." He said, "But it ended a bit disappointing, really, Christopher. Married with two kids. It's a hard life, isn't it? Really." Anyway. So sometimes the happiness comes in the moment. But there is the happiness, which is precious and important, which is just out of the being, in which happiness and the quiet joy doesn't have a reason for it. One is just happy. <coughs> and those moments and periods of just happiness are jewels in the life of humanity just to be happy without a reason and that may be any moment of any time of, uh, of any day and we'll just allow ourselves to rest in the moment to know those moments there and if we can know those moments there is more opportunity for us as human beings on this earth not only to rediscover those moments but the important thing is one can put hand on one's heart and say I know experiences which are not about worry, fear, guilt, anxiety and blame I really know a different kind of experience and the strength of that different kind of experience of happiness joy that gives extra authority to deal with the difficult we need to know the non-difficult and the non-difficult is arising regularly and our practice is to be mindful of it to be clear about it and to recognize it I was sitting under the tree yesterday and today uh, over there 
in the one-to-ones. And thank you very much for the lovely sharings and communication. Right behind me there is the pipe. And the pipe has a small leak in it, you can see. Just behind the tree there, there's the pipe with a leak in it. And there's water, and it's just filled up. Yesterday, the cat came. So having the mice one-to-one, like us, the cat is thirsty. And we just saw, and a good person around said, have, have a look, Christopher. And they just look behind, over the shoulder, and there's the cat just quietly drinking the milk. The, the, the water there is there and today cat's gone and the bird came the bird flies down hey Christopher have a look and then the bird is just sipping <coughs> the, the water and did you mention the conversation I had with the farmer so a dear friend of mine an organic farmer he and I were, were, were talking and I'd just like to end the point that he talked on it sums up the whole talk. The point we came to was the birds they fly through the air, the small birds and there is danger for them because there are large birds in the sky hunting for the small birds. The birds on small birds are on the ground and the small birds which are on the ground are also hunted by the cats but it doesn't stop the birds from singing don't forget thank you for listening thank you let's have our quiet minute shall we beings know the deep happinesses and joys of life. May all beings explore an endless engagement with the field of existence. May all beings be receptive to what is deep. <coughs> 